I've got a credit card. I'm in a wheelchair. I've got a credit card. Take my money. People with disability are often very underestimated because of how they look and what they wear. And you can imagine with more choice and greater participation in the retail experience, how that would help people's emotional state, psyche, and how people perceive them more generally. If you can't see yourself in the media and marketing of the business that you're buying from, your relativity or your appreciation of their product is minimized. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Joanne Huey-Miller catches up with Australian e-commerce leaders to get all the insights, tips and lessons to keep you at the top of the e-commerce game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Here's your host, Joanne Huey-Miller. Hey guys, it's Joe here. Thank you so much for having me in your ears again. As you may already know, I've just joined Bushy on the Add to Cart team as guest host. I was previously managing editor at Inside Retail, and now I work with the legends at retail strategy agency, The General Store. My guest today is Jessie Sadler, founder of adaptive clothing label, Christina Stevens. It's an incredible brand that allows people with disability, dexterity issues, and changing bodies to wear clothes that are both functional and fashionable. In fact, Christina Stevens was on the runway at Australian Fashion Week last year. For so many of us, fashion allows us to express ourselves, whether it's Ugg boots, a power suit, or a ball gown. It's something that most of us take for granted, but for one in five Australians with a disability, that choice is often denied. Jessie wants to smash those norms and give the power of fashion to everyone. In our chat today, Jessie shares with us her top tips for accessible e-commerce, how a powerful admission from a nervous groom led to some sexy lingerie, and why representation makes good business sense, both ethically and financially. She even talks about bulletproof jeans. You heard it here first. Jessie is also offering our listeners 5% off at Christina Stevens, so make sure you listen at the end for the code. Thanks so much to our partners, Shopify and Paclio. Here's our conversation with Jessie Sadler, founder of Christina Stevens. Jessie, welcome to Add to Cart. Ah, oh, thank you, Joe. I'm so happy to be here and to see you again. Oh, well, I think the last time we caught off, you were actually hot off the runway at Australian Fashion Week last year when Christina Stevens made its debut. Yep. So exciting. It was really exciting. I remember we, we had a lot of sweat from the preparation that morning and a lot of makeup running down our faces from tears. So I would have looked like a sight at that point. <laughs> Well, you are literally the lady of the hour, but we can go into that later on. I'm so looking forward to our chat today so we can chat with our listeners about the story behind your business, but also talk about how fashion can actually empower people with disabilities and how it's, they're actually a customer base that's commonly overlooked by retailers. It's actually crazy because about 20% of Australians have a disability who's, and they actually struggle to find clothing that they enjoy wearing and that's suitable. So clearly it's a market. There's a massive gap in the market there. But I think really a great place to start is to talk about adaptive fashion. What is it exactly? Sure. So adaptive fashion in our terminology and how we view it is clothing that looks excellent, is fashion forward, that people are proud and feel good wearing, that has been adapted for various physical and intellectual or sensory needs. So we cover those three bases. Our business has refined its product offering to cater for those in part-time or permanently seated positions, for those with prosthetic limbs or limb difference those with sensory needs or dexterity and mobility challenges. And so when you're looking at how clothing design impacts those needs or provides for those needs, it can be the cut of the garment, it can be the placement of seams, access points, textiles is a big thing. So depending on what your need is, uh, the fabric might need to be soft, it might be more durable, temperature regulating. So there's all sorts of things to consider. But what 
has traditionally happened in the past is that the functional provision or the functional design in the clothing has come first. And the result of that means that it's not necessarily something that people feel good or spunky in or sexy in. And that's what we're here to change. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the traditional shopping experience for people with disabilities, how would you describe it? Like, where do they normally go? Or, you know, what were the options that they used to have? Traditionally, traditionally, like we're we're talking about 10, 20 years ago, it was largely bespoke alterations for people with disabilities, which is a very expensive solution. Obviously, needed in a lot of situations because everyone's different. But yeah, it is an expensive option and we don't think that that needs to be the case. In a retail setting, it was pretty much non-existent. Products were that were available off the shelf in a retail setting were pretty average. They were one size fits all, unisex, we refer to potato sacks in a lot of situations because oversized clothing or oversized parts of the clothing is a common need. So that that's from the design point of view, but the retail experience, people with disability have had to largely shop online. And sadly, that's still the case, but we are changing that. And what that does, it means that people with disability who want to go shopping with their girlfriends or their friends, their family, to have the same retail experience that you and I would, you know, a day out having lunch and trying feeling clothes was non-existent and that's really sad and pretty flawed considering that one in four, one in five people in most populations live with disability. Phew! I bet you're breathing a sigh of relief now that Black Friday is over for another year, right? Well, according to our friends at Shopify, customers, they haven't stopped looking for bargains and they are going to keep chasing them all the way through 2023 as the cost of living takes its toll. Yes, that old chestnut. But Shopify have surveyed 2,000 Australian customers and they found that three in four Australians are already reducing their discretionary spending and 84% of customers are comparing prices. With price and value such a hot point for customers, it is worth considering how you are going to continually send price messages throughout 2023 to keep your customers interested. The battle for the wallet is going to be fierce. To view more resources to help with your 2023 planning and see how Shopify can take your e-commerce business to the next level, visit shopify.com forward slash au today. Now would be a good time to segue into the story of Christina Stevens. So can you tell me about how you launched your label and what was the inspiration behind it? So the inspiration behind it was my mum. It was personal experience and it wasn't a good one. So we were shopping together on a Saturday afternoon and she tripped and fell on the pavement on concrete and she smashed both of her elbows really badly. As you can imagine, when your arms have limited mobility, getting dressed is very difficult and painful. And so I immediately thought, oh, we'll just jump online and get some easy dressing clothing for her. And what I found was really disappointing and and discouraging. My mum loves spending cash on her wardrobe and and is really a fashion-forward lady. And so I set about designing some tops initially for her that she could get into easily. Once I'd done that, I started speaking with people in that demographic and the challenges that they're experiencing and then I was put on to my beautiful friend Lisa Cox early on in the piece and she said, this is fabulous, but there is a bigger market out here. That disability market for fashion is grossly overlooked. So I started looking more closely at that. And last year in 2022, we brought Carol Taylor, who's the world's first quadriplegic fashion designer and lawyer, into our business. And with that lived experience as a quadriplegic with a range of conditions underlaying being seated permanently in a chair, She brings a wealth of experience to to the design table and we've really nailed this collection that we've just released. So business has evolved over three years 
but really it was a business that started out of necessity and need because there wasn't anything suitable in the market. So it's actually a world away from Fashion Week, which is where we were last time we caught up. It was such a momentous occasion. I was in the audience. There was not a dry eye in the house. You got a standing ovation. It was extremely emotional, even for people without disabilities, because I think everyone could see that for such a long time, this was a community that could finally see themselves on the runway. That was 12 months ago, though. So I'd be really interested to hear from you. How do you think the landscape has evolved in that time? Yeah, so it definitely was a monumental event. It was the first time in Australian fashion history that there was an adaptive runway, and I think that really hit home with the audience and our community and our customers because they were finally seen, and they were seen as a customer group and people who deserved to feel great and feel empowered by fashion like anyone else. What that's done is put the category of adaptive fashion and our label on the radar of mainstream fashion. There was a lot of media coverage, probably one of the highest media coverage runways of the week. And so just getting the message out into the general population since that time has evolved and been a lot more. We've had a lot more media opportunities to educate and explain what adaptive fashion is and what we're setting out to solve. Mainstream retailers have sat up and taken notice. I don't necessarily think it was our runway that did this, but you can see in the US now the Skims lingerie label have released an adaptive clothing or an adaptive lingerie line. And so I think that that large market and The fact that it had been untapped for so long has made people sit up and take notice. I think it's also within the disability community and the disability business community, it has raised eyebrows. We we have a lot more wholesale and distribution opportunities because a lot of people, to be fair, didn't realise that adaptive clothing was a thing and a need and could look so good and that it is funded by the NDIS in Australia, which is a, a huge help for our customers. I think this year in Australian Fashion Week, while we didn't do an adaptive runway and we'll certainly look to do one again, but in terms of representation, models with disabilities were on mainstream fashion label runways. So we've seen an evolution in the acceptance and representation, increasing representation, which is a fabulous thing and, and we need to keep heading in that direction. Yeah. I'm really keen to hear from you, especially because our audience is made up of e-com nerds, but I'd really like to talk about creating an accessible e-commerce experience for people with disabilities. What does that look like and what are the particular features that an accessible site should include? Mm. So certainly e-commerce definitely needs to be part of the distribution offering. I will always advocate that we still need adaptive clothing in bricks and mortar stores so people can experience retail therapy and they can touch and feel and try on things. But e-commerce, because of the convenience of it for you and I, but also people with disability who don't have a chance to get out into the shops every day, is a really important component of it. So making your website accessible in the first instance is very important. We do that through what's probably most commonly known to people is the alt text function. So people that are vision impaired can understand what they're seeing on the site and there's technology that obviously converts that and allows that functionality for them. It is the colours that that you use on your site. So things are very contrast and easy to read. It's the size of the font, allowing a lot of white space. It is not too many branches in your navigation, so there's not too many clicks, including functionality like we have that makes it possible for our customers to receive an invoice before purchase so that they can claim it under their NDIS plans is an integral part of our site. And we recently just looked at some statistics where more than 70% of our customers last month were NDIS participants using their funds. So having that functionality in your site to allow that shopping experience to be seamless is really important. And then 
using off-the-shelf technology that's already out there. So Google provides an accessibility or an accessible rating for your site, which we've, I think, last month hit about 85 to 90%, which was great. There are off-the-shelf apps that can be plugged in to your site to effectively do a behind-the-scenes audit of how accessible your site is, which we also include. But the most important thing we've done is have real humans with various disabilities go through our site and do a real-life audit, an experiential audit of the site. And we've recently released or enhanced our website so we've gone through that process and, and we received uh, a 10 out of 10 from the real humans who had a look over the site. So that's really important in terms of the website to get your customers, who your, who your customers are, to test that it's working for them and seamless for them. Outside of the actual website, it is your logistics processes, so making sure that your customer service responses are quick, that you make returns easy for people because obviously online you're not touching, feeling and trying on. So people need to have comfort that when they buy from you that those those systems are in place and always having a feedback channel. So we spend a lot of time in our customer service team to reach out to our customers and make sure that if we haven't received a review from them, that the process was seamless, they're happy with it, what improvements can we make? And to be fair, this is a new space. It's probably later than it should have been, but this is something that all websites and all e-commerce brands should consider for all customers, not just the disability community. Yeah. Are there any sort of quick and easy wins that an online retailer could sort of help make their customer experience more inclusive for people with disabilities? Yeah, so media marketing and representation is a quick win and and has a huge impact on people. So if you can't see yourself in the media and marketing of the business that you're buying from, your relativity or your appreciation of their product is minimised. So including models with disability in media marketing, understanding some of the language nuances that could be offensive or just a bit off the mark for the disability community is important and there are certainly consultants or, you know, written resources out there that can certainly help with that. I think that that's the quickest win and would have a huge impact on customers with disability. From a design point of view, I think simple considerations about the design of garments you know, who likes trying to do up buttons down the back of your neck to your back? You and I would both, you know, struggle with that ourselves. So just trying to make the dressing process a little bit more front of mind would also see quick wins. And I think just the retail experience. So after Australian Fashion Week, when we were down in Sydney, Carol and I went on a, or tried to go on a shopping bender and didn't really happen because no. Sydney is an old city and to be fair, shopping centres like Westfield and the building code have evolved yeah. to make it easier for people with disability to shop in a retail setting. But the little boutiques that are off the street, where in Brisbane, Gold Coast, also in Sydney, it was really hard. And like some of the shops that I was going into, Carol would have to look through the window from outside. Mm. And we took footage of this because it was just, you know, I, st- I felt bad that I could go into this shop and have a look around and I was bringing garments out onto the f- pavement for her to look at and that's just that's so shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so things there that we noticed were like how cluttered shops were. I get from a business perspective you want to get as much stock on the floor and merchandise as possible but for someone in a wheelchair or someone with mobility challenges, navigating those tight spaces is really hard. Having products that you want to look at that's up really high is a challenge. A lot of the dressing rooms in small brands particularly are really small, so obviously that's a challenge. The reluctance or I think it was more nervousness 
of the retail staff in how to approach Carol mm-hmm. or a person with disability. They are a customer. You don't talk to me. You don't talk to Carol's husband or any of the other entourage that were with us on the shopping vendor. You talk to Carol. And some of that was difficult to take. And I appreciate that that's lack of experience or exposure and a training thing, but it really needs to be addressed. And one of the other things I'd say is like, yes, some of the off-street boutiques are in old parts of cities, or even if they're not, they have been designed with aesthetics first. So we were going into shops that didn't just have a step into the shop. It had a step into the shop and then it had a step down even though we were walking around with our own mobile ramp for Carol to be able to access shops with stairs, those shops that had a dip on the other side, there was no way she was going to get into them. So that's a building code issue. That's a, that's a shop design issue. But certainly all of those factors play into how a retailer could make the shopping experience more inclusive, full stop. That sounds so awful. And so uninspiring, which is the opposite of what you're looking for when you're just looking for great clothes to wear. It's true. And, you know, Lisa Cox came out with the best line in one of the early media segments we did. She said, I've got a credit card. You know, I'm in a wheelchair. I've got a credit card. Take my money. Exactly. That's an oversight by by the retail community more generally, not just in fashion, but across the board. If you could sort of describe the ideal bricks and mortar retail experience, what do you think it would look like? What do you think it would be? Well, access into the store is the first challenge. Retrofitting is expensive and we get that. But even having an accessible ramp behind the counter and a sign out the front would go a long way in telling your customers that you appreciate them all, not just the ones who can walk. I recently did a trip to New York for New York Fashion Week earlier this year and around Soho, NoHo, all of the the groovier lower ends of New York, I noticed that in the window there was a mandated disability sign and a phone number to the shop and says, if you want to come in, give us a ring, we'll bring the ramp out for you and allow you in. So that's the first step in doing it is just acknowledgement and providing a solution. The solution longer term is for the building code to be more realistic and inclusive about what people with various disability needs. And it's not just wheelchair access. You know, if it's a hard area to get into, someone with prosthetic limbs would find that a challenge too. And as I said, the spacing in the shop is really important and the size of the dressing room is really important. So we appreciate that as a small label ourselves that's growing, you don't have oodles of cash to do major retrofits, but understanding what the challenges are and looking for low-cost solutions like that would go a long way in, in attracting customers. Yeah. What do you wish more retailers understood about people with disabilities and what they actually want from a retail experience? Like what, what are the changes that you would love to see in the industry? Well, people with disability want the same retail experience as people without disability. They want to have choice. Like the power of fashion is so huge. You know, you and I, when we get dressed in the morning, come up with a look that we want or an impression that we want to make and that's how we curate our outfit for the day. People with disability in many circumstances don't have that opportunity because of the products available in the market. and so. Key fundamental point would be my first point to retailers is that treat everyone equally and understand that the retail experience, the fashion experience has the same impact on people across the board. But even in the disability community, perhaps even more because what you wear often creates the perception of how other people perceive you. And this isn't my quote, this is my business partner Carol's quote, but People with disability are often very underestimated because of how they look and what they wear. And you can imagine with more choice and greater participation in the retail experience, how that would help people's emotional state, psyche, and how people perceive them more generally. And 
that's a big, big, big thing. I feel like a lot of the time people in the community actually infantilize people with disabilities as well. And I think what was really interesting about your runway is that the lingerie was actually quite sexy. In fact, the fact that you even had lingerie at all was really quite incredible. Can you tell me about your thinking behind that and the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so when we put our brains together for what we would be putting on that runway, we wanted to turn the disability stereotype on its head. And so it wasn't just about having groovy, good-looking clothes. It was about the inner challenges or the emotional challenges that people with disability experience and and how we could showcase that and, and turn it around. So when we were brainstorming, Carol mentioned a Zoom call that she had been on with international participants and there was a gentleman who was a quadriplegic and he was just about to be married to an able-bodied female and the guys on the call were joking around about the wedding night and the shenanigans that might happen and Carol explains that you could have heard a pin drop because it just went silent and this gentleman was brave enough to voice that he would never know what it was like to unwrap his bride. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. <laughs> unwrap his bride oh. on his wedding night. And at that point she just said, well, shit, I'm going to change that. And so that was the inspiration, the core inspiration behind that collection that we wanted to bring sensuality and sexiness into it and showcase that this is not an able-bodied thing, this is an everybody thing. So that lingerie set was created with the quadriplegic groom in mind to be able to remove it off his able-bodied wife on the night using loops and magnets and teeth so that... So that he and and his bride could have that same as experience is I'm not going to say most people I'm going to say most people want on their wedding night, and so that's that's how that evolved, and that was a beautiful piece, and and then we thought, well, what else goes with that? How else can we evolve that concept? And so we did the the blue suit for Dinesh that was magnetized and the pants were cut for a seated position and he represented the groom, the the quadriplegic groom, and then we thought, well, we need some sexy punch here. So we put a pair of pleather pleather black and gold pants on Suzanne and so it was just really about demonstrating that everyone experiences these considerations and these desires and we were going to solve that problem for people with disability who didn't think that they had a solution for it. You've refreshed your website, the new range is about to drop, you've never had more customer service options. Hey, but take a look over there at that boring pile of packaging boxes. Ugh, ugly. Time to give that some love. Luckily, Packlio is here to bring some joy to your customer's delivery and unboxing experience. It's been ignored for way too long. With vibrant colours, cool designs and eco-friendly credentials, there are no more excuses for boring boxes. Even better, Paclio is Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. There's nothing boring about that. Check out the Paclio range of e-commerce packaging options at paclio.com. That's Paclio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, paclio.com. I just think it's amazing the power of fashion and for able-bodied people, this, these are things that we just take for granted. It's very easy to just, you know, go to Westfield, go to a bras and things, pick something up for that night or any number of retailers, you know. So I think it's just incredible that a brand like you is thinking about these things and at the forefront of it. Can you tell me about your latest collection and the inspiration behind it? Yes. So after Australian Fashion Week, we regrouped. We have various channels into our customer base to seek feedback and get opinions on what we're thinking of about putting out there. And so we wanted to keep it sexy, we wanted to keep it punchy and 
elevated a bit. So we, we use that word probably too much, but we wanted to design some pieces that people could wear out on a night out. And it wasn't just filling an everyday need like a t-shirt or a pair of pants. So we went and sourced metallic glitter fabric. We continued the pleather pant, the Suzy Q pleather pant in the collection. We brought in a lot more colour, which when I was designing, you can see I'm all in black. So this is my thing. I'm a, I'm quite a neutral fashion person in terms of colour. But Carol's into colour and it seems that's that's what our customers want too. So bringing both of our heads together, I think we've come up with a good balance of, of what we've offered. When I say colour, we have really bright aquas and blues, which is actually Carol's one of Carol's watercolour artworks that we've transferred to print into our physio range, but also a beautiful silk caftan that has been made with accessibility in mind, particularly for people in power wheelchairs. We have considered options for people who want gender neutral clothing items. We have included a lot of magnets for ease of dressing. What is really cool and about to come out is our jeans. They provide access all over the place. So depending on what your situation is, part-time seated, a power or a quad, or someone with limb difference, you need different things from your clothing. And so we've put a lot of thought into the functionality that addresses a lot of those issues. One of the other considerations that people often have that if they're in a seated position, they wear colostomy bags or catheters that can take many shapes and forms. And so the access points to be able to adjust and access and change those items while under your clothing was a key consideration in the design of this collection. Pressure sores was a massive consideration. People often don't understand or underestimate the severity of a pressure sore that can it can cause death because of circulation and the sensitivity of the skin. So a seam in the wrong place can just be disastrous. Flat seams, bucket bums, which means no seam when you're sitting down, and the textile development that we've gone into to solve that problem was a big part of the, the design process. And temperature regulation. So people with limb difference because they've lost body surface but their body still wants to sweat the same amount can often experience overheating and so the fabrics that we've selected address that. On the flip side, someone with quadriplegia often has the reverse temperature regulation issue where they get cold really easily and so we've put design features in place to address that too. So front and centre was understanding the emotional challenges and how people feel about their clothing and the power of fashion and then understanding who our customers are, what the different conditions are that they live with and then slotting in groovy functionality into the design of some really cool clothing is how we approached it. Yeah, I just think that's so amazing and all these details and the level of technical ability that's required as a designer as well is just so high. And I would love to see design for people with disabilities to actually be included in, you know, fashion education, institutional syllabuses, you know, all of those sort of resources because it's just such an underestimated market. Yeah, I just think it's really quite admirable. Just to shift gears a little bit, so given you guys are an e-commerce retailer, what would you say are some of the ways that you effectively engage with your community online and how do you communicate with them? Because I know it's, a, it's quite a tight-knit community, right? It is. We have a really high customer return rate and I think that's testament to the quality and the design features of our collections. But also it is a tight-knit community and there's a lack of product in the market. So we're in touch with our customer based through many channels. Like most e-commerce brands, we seek reviews and we take our reviews seriously. If our review is under four stars, we reach out to that customer by phone to have a conversation with them. What was wrong? What 
wasn't suitable, not necessarily wrong, but what wasn't suitable for them and seek ways for improving or incorporating their feedback in our designs for the next run. So we do telephone customer reach outs once a week or once a fortnight, depending on the reviews. And we do telephone customer reach outs also to our high value and our high repeat customers. And that wow. that provides a lot of input into improvements to our designs over time. But often we come up with some really cool designs based on customer feedback that we hadn't thought of before or didn't have a complete appreciation of the condition that they have and the impacts that clothing has on that condition. So that's our, that's our, I guess, our key channel for speaking with our customers. We participate in a lot of Facebook, Facebook groups around disability and NDIS and monitor the conversations. So obviously on Facebook, you're not allowed to spruik or sell. And so we certainly don't do that, but it is about monitoring the conversations and listening to people's challenges in those groups and from a human perspective, asking them, asking questions to clarify the need rather than selling the product. So that that's another way we do it. And we have a dedicated customer service person who monitors all of our social media, obviously, but also we have a feedback channel through our website that our customer service team obviously take very seriously and we keep in contact with people like that. Are there any sort of special considerations e-commerce retailers should think about when it comes to offering customer service for people with disabilities? Returns is probably the biggest thing. So when someone can't touch, feel or try on, they need to have comfort that a product can be returned easily. Mm. So that's a system consideration for uh, an e-commerce retailer. Like in terms of the mode of communication, so you choose to do phone calls. Is that something that's, you know, widely embraced by, um, by people with disabilities or particular kinds of disabilities perhaps? Depending on the disability, it could be easier for someone to have a conversation than to sit typing lots of emails going back and forward. We find it more direct and time-saving to do it like that. And while there's obviously a, a resource cost consideration in doing that, it certainly pays off for us. But just manning your channels where customers may have a complaint or a question is is obviously very important. With adaptive fashion, we have put a lot of effort into our size guide with imagery, videos, descriptions. This sizing is for people with prosthetics. This sizing is for people with who are seated. And why we do that is to give customers more control at their end to be able to size up what's going to suit them before they buy it. So really large retail platforms like Farfetch or Net-A-Porter obviously have the resources to put into uh, very advanced and tech-based sizing guides. So you put in your weight, put in your height, put in your, oh, yes, I'm an average belly, I'm an average bum type thing, and this is the size you should buy. I think with small to medium labels who don't have those resources at this point in time. It's just about a matter of providing the information on your site to give customers that comfort and that that control to be able to make the right decision about the size they're buying. People with quadriplegia, for example, we have a cheeky terminology for it called a quad pod, and that's because people who are seated all the time lose core strength in around their, their stomach hip area and that couldn't be where they carry weight. And then on the flip side, because people, quads don't use their legs, you can have muscle wastage. So you could have a smaller size down the bottom and a bigger size up the top, which is largely how our pants are designed to suit that customer. Now, having those descriptions very clearly on your website and in your size guide is important. We, we have a section for, for seated fashion. We have a section for prosthetic fashion. We have the measurements for waist, hip, thigh, leg length. Also, when you're seated, forgive my crudeness, but, you know, when we wear jeans, you can get builder's crack because your jeans slide down. And that's just, that's just how it works. Well, someone 
who is permanently seated doesn't want to deal with that all the time and they don't have the mobility to adjust that situation. So you need to have higher backs on your pants. And so all of those considerations need to be communicated well to your customer. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, and I'm a huge advocate and supporter of small fashion labels and boutiques and getting them off the ground, but I think more attention on their part could be put into their size guides to give retail customers or online customers more comfort around what they're purchasing. So I know that sustainability is the heart of your business. So can you tell me about some of the ways that you operate as a business sustainably? Yes. So up until recently, we didn't have an office. We were all located in Melbourne. Uh, Our marketing guru is located in Melbourne. Carol and Kyrgia are based on the Gold Coast and I'm based in Brisbane. So a lot of it's just electronic. We don't have files of paper and printers running all the time, that kind of thing. Even our our initial pattern making and design process is digital. So we use a software called 3D Clo that our pattern maker in Sydney uses and we sit behind our screens virtually and we design on screen with her and she can digitally sew pieces together on the screen, change the avatar seated or prosthetic to look like our customer and size like our customer does. So there's a lot of that side of the business that we've made digital and virtual. And before, you know, when I first started in 2020, I was flying down to Sydney a lot and doing face-to-face meetings with pattern maker, face-to-face meetings with a production manager. This is when we were manufacturing in Australia. And, you know, just the plane travel alone was expensive and environmentally not friendly. So with COVID, blessing for COVID in this instance, we had to move to virtual digital pretty quickly with pattern making and the result of that was excellent because it cut costs, it was a lot more environmentally friendly. With our garments, we remove as much marketing, physical marketing clutter as we can. Our customers generally don't like tags. Um, They can be an irritation they're hard to readjust. So we, in this collection, we've moved from positioning labels to heat stamps everywhere. So that cuts out that extra fabric. Our sampling process has been reduced considerably. So in 2020, I think I was going through six or seven iterations per garment. Now we're down to one or two. Wow. Because everything is digital now. So that's a huge impact as well. Our fabric selection, a lot of it is bamboo, which we know is a low-impact textile, organic cotton when we use cotton, and just our packaging as well. We make sure that all of our packaging, whether it's the poly bag or the satchel that we send stuff out in, is compostable or made from recycled materials. So, yeah, I think people talk about environmental sustainability as a yeehaw thing, well done, but I think it, it's slowly, or not slowly, it is becoming the business norm and customers more and more are not accepting cost-cutting measures that are going to impact the environment adversely and I think that just becomes a business practice rather than I'm so environmentally sustainable. What are you working on at the moment at Christina Stevens? Because I know that at the moment you're looking into textiles and you're targeting the allied health and provider market. Tell me about those those things. Yeah, so we had an epiphany one day and um, I think Carol asked a question, well, if they can make a bulletproof vest, surely we can make bulletproof jeans. And, and it was like, oh, yeah. Fair. How do we do that? <laughs> and what, why do we need bulletproof jeans in the disability market? We need bulletproof jeans because people with prosthetics who have fiberglass prosthetics, especially in their lower limb, often find clothing durability an issue because it cuts through the clothing. Wow. So I'd never thought of that. Yeah. Like we were talking to Bella, who's a good friend of ours and was on the runway last year with us. And she just says she goes through shorts and jeans like you would not believe, which there you go is a good environmental safeguard because we're providing clothing that's more durable if you want to go back to the sustainability thing. But it is a solution to a real customer need. And so we started working with a very cool company that has helped us develop denim textile that is anti-tear, anti-rip, that has still the 
look and feel and touch of a denim jean. And so we're really excited to be releasing those products in the coming months. That same textile designer has also helped us redesign denim for the seated market where we've included a lot more tensile and softer fibres on the inner side of the jeans so that when people are seated, it's more comfortable, there's less pressure sore risk. And so that's a really cool evolution in the business that we're not just, you know, going to the market and buying off shelf because it looks pretty. We are putting a lot of R&D and time into making sure that what we're making our clothing out of is advanced and it is solving our, our customers' challenges. So that's cool. And then your other question was around allied health. Yeah, so our strategy is attack the fashion market, attack the allied health market, attack the fashion market, attack the allied health market. And at the moment, we are working on getting our tentacles a lot more into the allied health market. And we have adopted some really streamlined and scalable marketing strategies and approaches to be able to do that. And that's an initiative around educating the allied health market on what adaptive fashion is, that it is available, that it's NGIS fundable and how it works and how it will benefit their customers. So, you know, sometimes like we, we, we make the analogy that adaptive clothing is where plus size and maternity clothing was 15, 20 years ago. You don't necessarily have to do a lot of educating into why you would give someone a maternity outfit or a plus size outfit it makes sense but there is a call for a lot of education in the adaptive clothing market at this stage of the game to get the message and the education out there into the allied health market or industry and as well as the uh, mainstream fashion industry so we're working on that at the moment and um, about to release some really excellent designs and pieces for Australian winter so they're just about to be launched and then working towards releasing our summer collection. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up really soon, Jesse. but um, if you had something to say or a message to the retail industry about your community and customer base, what would it be? They want to shop in your store. We want to be in your store. There is a massive market out there that is grossly underserviced. It's not just about making people feel empowered or good or the, the fuzzy-wuzzy feeling, I guess. There is definitely a financial economic business case in looking at this market. As you mentioned at the beginning, it's 20% of most populations across the world. In Australia, we have NDIS, fortunately, that provides a lot of funding for people with disability and that can be applied for adaptive clothing. But even outside of NDIS, people with disability want to shop and they want to look good. They want to feel empowered by what they're wearing and they want to be able to participate in the retail experience like everyone else. And I think retailers would go a long way in, in noticing that that's a fact and it is an underserviced market. Yeah. And lastly, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, directly by email at hello at christinastevens.com.au or our website is christinastevens.com.au. Social media handle is at shop Christina Stevens. And we always have someone at the other end of the cyber pipeline to respond. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for chatting today. I love chatting with you as always. It's always an education. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks so much, Joe. It's been lovely. Jessie Stevens, what a freaking phenomenal woman leading such big conversations in the community to provide fashion for all. I hope you are just as inspired by her as I am from our chat today. Jessie has given listeners 5% off all styles. So check out christinastevens.com.au and use the code CS5% underscore VIP at checkout. I should add, that's Christina Stevens with a PH, by the way. I was blown away by Jessie's commitment to her customers and responding to their needs. So here are my three top takeaways from our chat. The first one is, make your website accessible to all. Customers with credit cards may be turning away from your site because they just can't use it. 
there are many ways to improve. There's the alt text function, contrasting colors, font size, white space, simple navigation, and NDIS-friendly invoicing. Jesse mentioned Google's accessibility rating, so you can get an idea of where your site is right now and get on the road to improving. The second tip, increase representation. Jesse's comment about this was unequivocal. If you can't see yourself in the media and marketing of the business that you're buying from, your relativity or your appreciation of the product is minimized. So use all types of models, including those with disabilities, and share your brand with a more diverse customer base. And lastly, call your customers on the phone. Jesse's brand, Christina Stevens, knows a thing or two about meeting customer needs and their policy around reviews is key to this. If they receive a review under four stars, they phone that customer to get clarity on the reasons why, which they can then feed back into the product and experience. They also regularly reach out on the phone to their most loyal customers. It's a good reminder that sometimes having a chat with a customer can be invaluable. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening and until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.